Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 16 of Hardly Committed here on the Kentucky Sports Radio family of podcasting. I'm TJ Walker. My producer is Nick Roush. Nick, how you doing, pal? I'm I'm good. I, I like that we're taking almost like an NPR approach this morning. What does that mean? Well, we're just ta- it, it sounds like we're talking a little quieter because it's the more like it's it's early. It's very early. It is early. We're doing this before our radio show, Kentucky Roll Call. Hopefully, you're listening to that. And, yes. And w- that's also on podcast. Just search Kentucky Roll Call. But we appreciate it if you listen live. It's a pretty good radio show. We like to think. Many people are saying it's okay. Yes. Yeah. And so, that's that's okay by me. Exactly. So if you like this podcast, you would definitely probably like the radio show. And not it's the perfect thing to listen to while you're traveling for Thanksgiving. Because as the news told me, record-breaking travel. Millions yeah. and billions and billions. Do you know what the, the best days to travel this week are, according to experts? None of them. No, well, that's, no, of course. Oh, I thought, that was, people, thought that was a joke or something. No. I'm going to say Saturday and Tuesday. So, yesterday and Saturday? Yeah. No. It's actually Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, which I wouldn't have thought, and Saturday. You were right about Saturday. Okay. Come home Saturday. Gotcha. And you're going to Ohio. Yes, going to Ohio. Um, going I, to the big football game. You know, that's, that's one thing that does make me mad about the, the rivalry game being the last game of the year, because I do want to go to a Michigan-Ohio State game. Yeah. I feel like that, that's a that's a good bucket list one to check off. Is, is your wife's family all Ohio State fans? I can't – I can never yeah, remember. The, they are – they aren't, like, as big of, like, Kentucky or Louisville fans as the people in my family. Um, but they, they don't, like, talk – like, there's one cousin that always wears all of his Michigan stuff to Thanksgiving, and there's no trash talking at all. I don't understand it. Like I kind of want to just talk trash to him, just to like you know, it's it's the rivalry. That's what you got to do. You got to talk trash to families on Thanksgiving. That's why that rivalry will always be second fiddle to the Governor's Cup. Always battle on the bluegrass, baby. <laughs> Cats and cards. I, I'm tired. I'm tired. It is early. Uh, I did appreciate the lack of traffic. Ooh, I know that was nice. Sleepy Louisville, <laughs> the city that always sleeps. Always. Especially. Well, except at like seven thirty when I'm normally driving. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of nice. And it's nice to. I'm glad that people are, are, are just on to do this podcast because you know it's it's tough this week. There's a lot of things going on. Like I said, I'm going to Ohio uh, football game, uh, basketball game today at one at a weird time. So we got a lot of juggling a lot of stuff. But the people needed a podcast, and we're happy to to deliver. Yeah. So this is theoretically supposed to be a basketball recruiting and basketball podcast. So if you're wondering, oh God. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> if you're wondering why we're not going to talk about the 1 o'clock Kentucky-Winthrop game today, it's because it hasn't happened yet. But what we're going to do is after the game, we're going to come back and we're going to spend about a minute on it. So here is that clip right now. How about them cats? That was pretty impressive. It was a lot of fun, man. I, You know, the way that they attacked the glass, it's – it's just so much fun. Sophomore Nick Richards, that tip dunk he had, holy crap, that was incredible. I'll tell you what, that Tyler Hero, best scorer in college basketball, in my opinion. It's good to see him get go- get back going again. And Kentucky's perimeter defense, better? Yeah. Well, it is Winthrop. You know? That's, well, they shoot. They've, Winthrop has actually shot 107 threes in four games. And Kentucky. <laughs> this is a lot of threes. And Kentucky has allowed 43 threes in four games. 
unbelievable numbers right there. Uh, John Calipari sure can scream. He really can. Yeah. And you know what my favorite part about the, the games like that, TJ, is that you can hear an echo throughout all of Rob. You can. It's like we're right there next to him. He's yeah. just coaching us up. All right, there's your Kentucky recap over its win over Winthrop? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. All right, now let's – More like loose Thrip, am I right? Yeah, all right. If you're still out there, we appreciate it. <laughs> Probably just friends and family at this point. All right, we're uh, going to get into some basketball recruiting. It's been a busy week, and we're on a little bit of a time crunch, so we may not be able to get into everything as much as we would like. James Wiseman picks Memphis, and it's an obvious blow for Kentucky. The writing did seem to be on the wall there for for a, uh, certainly the last several weeks, but probably the last few months. I think Kentucky probably fell behind in this recruitment and lost its lead, and I do think it had a lead for the good chunk of the two years Kentucky was recruiting James Wiseman. I think, and I, and people say, well, this was over when Penny got to Memphis. Maybe, but I think the bigger recruitment for James Wiseman in Kentucky's regard was the recruitment to try to get him out of Memphis and have him go to a prep school. Kentucky knew what they were up against in terms of everybody in that city trying to get him to go to Memphis. Kentucky knew what they were up against with Memphis saying, hey, James, you know, you live a few miles away. Why don't you come down to this game? Come hang out with the players a little bit more. They knew what they were up against when Memphis was sending rappers to his house to, to try to help mm-hmm. push him to Memphis. They the, created a unicorn just for him. Yeah, yeah, the unicorn thing. He considers himself a unicorn because he's such a he's that's his nickname. It's that was like cool a, for like a, a, a week or two when Chris Stapps came in. He, he's but such like a unique it's player. Yeah, he, kind of annoying. Yeah, like Memphis yeah. really hit it home on his official visit. They gave him a ton of unicorns. They had a dude in a unicorn mascot. It was very odd. It was odd. Uh, but anyways, the day that he decided, all right, I'm going to play my senior year at Memphis East instead of going to prep school. And by the way, he was pretty like there were people. Paul Washington Sr. at Finley Prep, there were people that thought he was he was going to go to some prep schools. There were people that thought he was going to to leave Memphis, play his one year there. If he does that, I think he ends up at Kentucky. He ends up staying, and I think when he stayed, his thought process genuinely was, well, I'm going to stay here, but I'm still, I'm, I'm still open to everything. I, I don't think the day he decided he was going to stay was the day he decided he was going to go to Memphis. I think that happened over time. And then Kentucky's back was against the wall. Here's It sucks because you spend so much time on a dude and you end up missing out on him. And there's no denying that. Two years, they followed him across the world. They watched pretty much every one of his AAU games over the last two years. They saw several high school games, several in-home visits. James Wiseman came up for a couple visits to, to Kentucky's campus. It's just it's a sunken cost. You wasted so much time on him. You could have been spending that time on Vernon Carey. You could have been spending that time on Isaiah Stewart. You could have been spending that time, at least part of that time, maybe on Oscar Shubway, and that could have tilted the scales towards you. Maybe that time could have been better spent on Matthew Hurt, who's not going to be making a decision until April. So in hindsight, it just hurts to waste that much time on a dude and end up empty-handed. And that goes, you know, a lot of people miss out on uh, on stuff like that. But I'm not panicking in the big sense of Kentucky recruiting because they did everything they could in that recruitment. The kid just decided to stay home. Mm-hmm. The The bigger complaint would be, well, why once Penny was hired at Memphis, maybe you should have, maybe you should have Done not put something. all your eggs in the James Wiseman basket. Maybe you should have been quicker to move over to Vernon Carey and make him the big fish and, and whatnot, because James Wiseman was the top target. They were recruiting all the other guys that I mentioned, but not for nearly as long. So, 
that's that's the biggest bummer of it is you wasted a lot of time on a dude and now you keep scratching your head you keep wondering who is going to be Kentucky's bigs Vernon Carey is going to be releasing his top three sometime this week probably a good chance if I know how this things work on this podcast that it's already came out and Ooh, yeah. we won't be able to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I don't know if Kentucky will make that list or not, and it seems like people close to UK don't know if they'll make that list or not. And, and even my, my question to you, TJ, if they make the list, does it even matter? Well, you, you always have a chance theoretically, and you never know what can happen in recruitments. Things can get complicated, and things can get, uh, you know, things can change. But Michigan State and Duke seem to be in the best position, so I I don't. On the one hand, if you don't make the list, you have no chance of earning carry, yeah. but it allows you to know that and to spend time on other dudes. If you do make the list, Kentucky's going to fight to the end for him because he's a good enough player where it's you worth doing it. it yeah. If you come up short, then you say you don't say, well, we knew we weren't going to get him. That's why we didn't recruit him as hard. No, that's, that's not what it should be. It should be, all right, we went after him, did everything we could. The dude just didn't want to come here. So we'll see. Um, I, it seems like their back's against the wall in that recruitment. But while everybody's panicking – I had a few people tweet me this, and I thought it was clever. While everybody's panicking, what if they were to end up with Vernon Carey? And what if they were to end up with Matthew Hurt? That's awesome. Yeah. Like, and, then, that's, and then you're getting the number one class again. Yeah. Your front court's fine. Uh-huh. And you're, you're, you're ready to rock and roll well, for the 2019-2020 season. That, there's still a possibility that happens. I, I don't so, think they're in the best position with Vernon Carey. But uh, it, things are not looking great for Kentucky recruiting as of today. But we know how quickly things can change. I, I need to share a take, TJ, um, oh, because I, I think uh, I, I don't know. I think it was Kyle Tucker because he he asked Cal this too. I Because uh, he said part of the negative recruiting is people say that Cal plays like an antiquated offense, um, which leads me to think less guards. You know, he, he's all about the dribble drive, all that kind of stuff. But my thing is, is if if he is playing the antiquated offense, then getting a post is less of a concern. You know, you, I mean, you really just need one at that point, right? Like, it's more the new era of basketball is all about wing play. And Tyrese Maxey, pretty damn good. Uh, Khalil Whitney, pretty damn good. Two top ten guys. Um, so, if you still get a Opos and you get an EJ or a Nick to come back, like, yeah. you're fine. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you saw the news, Anthony Edwards – Top player in 2020, reclassified 24-7 sports, has bumped him. They bumped him ahead of James to, Osmond. Uh, yeah, on his own decision day. That was How awesome. about that? That was pretty awesome. Pretty so, swaggy. Anthony Edwards from Atlanta, now the number one player in the class of 2019. The bad news for Kentucky, he's not a seven-foot he's, center. He's not? No. He's sucks. a six-five, but he's a big shooting guard. He's a big wing player. Uh, can play, really, a lot of positions, but he can do the one, two, or three. Big, uh, six-foot-five, and then 200, like 15, 220 pounds which is beefy for a kid. You know, it's big. I like the beef. Uh, Kentucky's recruiting him, and they have been recruiting him, and I haven't. You get enough on your plate, you can't really – you can't follow along with every recruitment. So I, I haven't known until yesterday a lot about this recruitment. I still don't know too much about it, not as much as I would like, obviously. Kentucky has been recruiting him. It certainly seems like, just based on preliminary conversations, that Florida State's going to be the, the team to beat uh, – they have all the picks in the crystal ball, so so that should tell you one thing. But one AU person I talked with said something: some school is going to really have to steal him from Florida State. Can't happen. We'll see. Kentucky's going to try to get him on campus for a visit. Uh, just a brief conversation. They think they should be able to. And once you get him on campus, who knows what can happen? Things can potentially change. But just for hypothetical sake, 
let's say he were to commit to Kentucky. Ooh. Then you could get – I don't know who Kentucky's point guard would be. Uh, I don't know who – maybe it's Tyler Hero and Tyrese Maxey. Maybe it's Quade Green and Tyrese Maxey. I don't know who it would be. But you probably would look at a lineup that would be – let's just – let's say it's Tyrese Maxey, Tyler Hero. You'd play Anthony Edwards at the three. Whitney Khalil at Whitney four. at the four, and then I don't know who the five would be. Maybe it's Matthew Hurt. Maybe E.J. Montgomery surprises people and comes back. Maybe it's junior Nick Richards at that point. Ooh. You can pick any one of those three. I, I, who cares? And, and you can sub out Tyler Hero for a quad A green. You can sub out Tyler Hero for Emmanuel Quickly. You can sub out a Tyler Hero for an Ashton Hagens. If you had a core of Tyrese Maxey, Anthony Edwards, and Khalil Whitney, you're a little undersized. You're probably going to give up some more rebounds, but – Good night trying to stop that team offensively. Like, mm-hmm. You're not going to. You just – you won't. That would be a really, really fun team to watch. It would be a unique team to watch. It would create just matchup problems that you wouldn't believe. It would be the most athletic team that I think John Calipari has ever had. It would be probably the fastest team that John Calipari has ever had. That would be fun. So, the, while everybody's kind of panicking, and I get it, and I'm not going to try to butt-slap you into thinking that everything's fine on the recruiting trail, it's, it's not as of today. But there is still a path to, all right, 2019, 2020 is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. I mean, so. that uh, not that, that team would struggle against your, your beefy big butt SEC guys. But at the same time, like like you said, it could still be a lot of fun. It, it, could, it could outrun a lot of those big beefy. Yes. You know, you'd probably give up a lot of points trying to defend those guys. Some high-scoring games. But, you, you know, how are they going to stop you? How are you going to have a, a six foot seven, 230-pound power forward, six foot eight? You know, I'm thinking of like a Tennessee player. Uh, how would you have one of those guys guard a, a Khalil Whitney who right. can take you five feet outside the perimeter, put it on the floor, and, and take you wherever he wants on the court? Yeah. It'd be tough. You'd give up some, but you'd gain a lot. It'd be fun to see. And it seems like the roster is going to shape towards that way, even yeah. if they don't get Anthony Edwards, even if they, you know, I don't know how the big situation's all going to play out, but it, it's – You're going to lean on the guards. It is. Yeah, yeah. it looks like they're going to lean on the guards. I, I, I would like to also offer some perspective that a KS Bar patron offered me last night. Well, if a KS Bar patron said it, then it must be true. It must be true. He's uh, going to his first game at Ruff tomorrow. Oh. So he's pretty excited. That's, that's great. Yeah, and he's, I'd say, uh, upper 50s too. So, like, pretty cool. And he gets to do that, and he was like – you know, we're talking, he's like, man, I hate that that Wiseman ain't coming here. It's just the worst. But, you know, I remember when Tubby missed a top 30 player, and we'd be like, well, uh, or or he'd say, I remember when Tubby got a top 30 player, and we'd jump in for joy. So, you know, a little perspective there. Yeah. And, and, it's and, a much different context, but at the same time. Uh, and, that, and that old guy can kind of just shut the hell up, you know? Oh. No, I'm just kidding. But but it is different. <laughs> yeah, it's much different because you, you rely on you these do. dudes yeah. much more heavily. Calipari has built a system where if you don't get the tippy top of the 2019 class, of, of any class, then it's going to impact the win-loss result for the next season in maybe a dramatic way. And, and I think the reason why it, it impacts it so much, though, is that the guys that he has been getting that are like middle of the road haven't been sticking around for three and four years. You know, like when when you left as a sophomore, there's a lot of guys who like kind of left earlier. You're like, eh, really? That that weren't that elite of the elite. If they stuck around, then it'd be fine. But they've been leaving early too. So like next year, they're gonna need they're gonna need a huge class. And right yeah. now, they've only got three guys. Well, I don't know what their class. I I, I don't know. Um, like Keldon's gonna be gone. PJ will be gone. Obviously, Reed has to go. Yeah. Instead of those three. Like I, I don't think it's a guarantee that anybody else leaves, un, undoubtedly. Like, yeah. 
like we haven't seen anything from Ashton is and, and I'll tell you, He's Ashton wants to be a one and done player, but we haven't seen one iota of anything to suggest that a team would take him in the first round, maybe not even the second round. Now we're four games into the season, maybe five. You already heard our our post game Winthrop recap. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's changed. Emmanuel quickly, he's been solid, and for, for you know for a freshman guard, he's done probably more than what you'd expect. But not like go to the NBA. Not off solid. the map, great. Yeah. Uh, Quade Green obviously just is never going to really jump off the page for NBA executives. Tyler Hero has really actually struggled this season. Even though that. he is the best scorer He's the best scorer, scorer in college, college basketball, basketball, but even the best scorer scorers in college basketball can struggle at times. Right. But he's not doing too much to, to make NBA teams salivate. Obviously, Kelton Johnson has been really good. The potential's high. Uh, the athleticism through the roof. Teams are going to love him. E.J. Montgomery, he's shown some flashes, but he doesn't have NBA teams salivating at this juncture. So, like – we know how this works at Kentucky. That mm-hmm. all those comments that I just made a lot of times won't matter to a it'll, kid. It'll also change between well, now and, and yeah, March. They'll, they'll obviously change, but a lot of times, even if things don't, let's say things don't change, and those players kind of say, "Hey, good, but maybe not NBA good," then kids leave. You know, EJ Montgomery said he came to Kentucky to to be able to get to the NBA as soon as he could. That's part of the reason they come here is they come here so they can get out soon. But as of today, I don't think you, you look at it, Keldon and PJ would be gone. Anybody else, I wouldn't be shocked to see a potential return. But we'll have to we'll have to wait and see how all that shakes out. We've been asked a lot about if Kentucky, if John Calipari needs to make any coaches coaching changes. I want to address that briefly. Um, obviously, everybody knows what Kenny Payne brings to the table. He's been on Cal staff since day one. Has done a fantastic job. Big big players coach. Yeah, he's he's not he's not going he's not going anywhere. Obviously, he's not going to go anywhere. Uh, Joel Justice, I, I've been a little surprised by the social media, and you always have to take social media with like a grain of salt. It's it's the people that sometimes are the loudest, but it's rarely the majority. But I have been surprised by the people that have been calling for his job. I, I don't think people really know all that he does, and I don't think people really understand what replacing him would potentially do for upcoming recruiting classes. Yeah, uh, people yeah. always say, well, who has he got? Who? People don't always say that, but the few people that have called for his job have have responded with, well, who has he gotten? Well, most recently, Kelton Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's just – that's not the only player, It's but that's the most recent, Kelton Johnson. So, Kelton Johnson, good player. You'd want him. But he is the one that makes first contact with all these younger guys. He's, he's the sophomore, rising sophomore. Oh, you're good. He's the Kentucky coach that talks to him. So, if he if you got rid of him, you are kind of burning a lot of relationships with these younger guys where Kentucky, as they normally do in a lot of recruitments anyways, are going to be playing catch-up. You don't want them to have to play more because a lot of coaches will reach out to kids when they're or, or at least you know send letters do whatever when the kids are freshmen and and sometimes even in eighth grade we know what Billy Gillespie did maniac so if you got rid of Joel Justice it put you behind the eight ball even more so with twenty twenty guys twenty twenty one guys and even a few twenty twenty two guys I don't think you'd want that uh, when Kentucky's biggest issue in my opinion is not building relationships early enough. Uh, and that's what something they should work on. They should have Joel going even earlier. And then I think a lot of it's Calipari coming in at the right time. I think he waits a little bit too long to say, all right, we've 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 made initial contact. We know you've been talking to Joel for a while. Now it's my turn to kind of give you my big dog pitch. I, I think Cal that, needs to come in a little yeah, bit Yeah, I believe that happened with Keldon, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, like where he came, he almost came in too late. Yeah, and there's there and that, he did. that was um I think it was last year was the first year he finally was like okay we have to start offering these kids as juniors we can't just wait till they're seniors. Yeah, which yeah, and they've made some changes on that slightly, uh, it, uh, ever so slightly. You know, I don't like calling for people's jobs. I'm not going to do it here. But if there was somebody that I think you could say, all right, what is what all is he doing? Is is Tony Barbie? And I know he does more behind the scenes. People don't know he is good at if. If he gets a relationship, he does a pretty good job keeping it. And it's funny I say that because DJ Jeffries was his commitment and uh, it, and he ended up decommitting. But I've been told that, like, you know, if you like Tony Barbie, you're going to you're gonna really, really like him. You're going to really love him. And some people he doesn't get along with, whatever. Uh, behind the scenes, I think he does a lot for player development, and I think he does a lot with the current players on the team. While he's not probably Kentucky's best recruiter, uh, people on the team say that he is one of the best X's and O coaches. I know we didn't see that at Auburn. Mike, and what I would point out about Tony Barbie is I, I, I do wonder how motivated he is. He was the head coach at an SEC program, an SEC program that is now top ten in the country. Yeah. And he wasn't able to ever get them anywhere close to that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I, I do wonder if he thinks, huh, all right, I was coaching in the SEC – I was coaching at a, a, a not a big time program, but a, a decent program, and now I'm just an, a, an assistant again. I'm better than this. There's no denying that he's wanted another head coaching job. That would be my only concern with Tony Barbie is his motivation, and and does he think that he's more qualified for the position that he's at? Now that's not to say that he does think that. I'm thinking out loud with that opinion, so don't go like tweeting him or doing anything <laughs> like that. But that would be my only question for Tony Barbie is I wonder. If he if he thinks he's a little bit from the recruiting aspect, if he thinks he's a little bit better than the than the job he currently has, he uh, he he is the worst. Not very good at PR with the fans, though. Well, we can just go ahead and say that because well, I don't. He think, hasn't done anything with the Kentucky fans. Well, but the whole issue with DJ Jeffries, remember they had like the somebody he didn't call him or something. There was that whole spat. It's just well, DJ Jeffries is mad that they didn't go to one of his games. Well, it's the y- dumbest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. But regardless, it was one of those things that like if I was to look up Tony Barbie like articles on KSR, like I don't know what I would find. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's just not a very we don't know what he does. The so, fan the public doesn't. So I don't think if you're looking for Cal to fire some dude on the staff, I think you're going to be disappointed. I don't think he's going to do that at all. I do think what you could see happen, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, is I do think you could see Calipari urging somebody to leave. Take a hey, this job's better for you. Oh, hey, look, head coaching <laughs> position available. Well, Cal, you always said to be patient with head he coaching hands jobs. In the classifieds. Yeah. <laughs> You've always, Cal always tells his dudes to be patient with head coaching jobs. Hey, you told me to be patient. You told me not to take this. Well, I think this is a good fit. I think you could do a really good job at, at Furman. They just beat Villanova. Maybe that would be a good spot for you. I, I could see him maybe pushing, and I don't think it would be Kenny, uh, Kenny Payne. I could see him maybe telling Tony Barbie that, hey, this job would be really good for you. You could do a lot of good things here. If you're looking for a flat out like Donald Trump, you're fired. I think you're going to be a little disappointed. So, ooh, but you could get some topical White House humor from Coach Cal. You could. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, did you hear that? On I the did on the, show? on the Collins show. Pretty I, good. I did. It's good stuff, Cal. Yeah, but uh, politics. 
Oh, you, got, you got to love it. So I don't think you're going <laughs> to – like if you're looking for an overhaul of the staff or anything like that, I, I, I think you're going to be disappointed. I still don't think there's like any huge – you know, they're, they're, they haven't gotten the, the top three guys. They haven't gotten the top five guys as of late. But you got to think about it. You're talking about the top three. You're talking about three kids every class. You're talking about maybe the top five. You're talking about five kids every class. And you're competing against dozens and dozens of schools with each one of those guys. Like the law of averages would suggest that right. there, you would have a little stretch where the top three guys, you're maybe not getting every one of them. Well, and, and I'm not trying to justify Kentucky's. They, they, they need to come through, and they have to get some better dudes if they want to win national championships, if they want to get back and be the cool school like you're seeing Duke be right now, which see, kills a lot of people. They've got to make they've, – they've got to figure out ways to, to change things. And I feel like that for the most part, most of those guys that they've missed on, they've gone to like weird schools. Like you had Jalen Brown go to Cal – um, Malik Newman in Mississippi State. Yeah. You had a lot of dudes go weird places, and then Scal was a mess. Like yeah, last just, year was know. the only year that like they missed out on exactly. all their top targets, and, and all went of them Duke. went to a blue blood, which was Duke, unfortunately. Yes. And that so that that's the, I feel like it it just amplifies the stink as of right now. But like James Wiseman going to Memphis, like what's Memphis going to do? Yeah. They're not going to be a threat at all. They're going to lose in the second round, maybe maybe get to a Sweet Sixteen. Like Anthony Edwards, new number one. He seems to be leaning Florida State. Yeah, he's losing like, a dude to Florida State. James Wiseman's going to Memphis. Like it's what, Memphis. Yeah, Cole Anthony. UNC is the only blue blood left on his list. And if he goes to UNC, then all right, hey, that's where he's going. That's a good school. If he doesn't, he's going to Oregon. He's going to Notre Dame. He's going to Wake Forest. Yeah, he's bowling going to, Georgia, to Oregon. He's going to Georgetown. Yeah. So, so like it is. It's and and also here's another thing I'd say to people. And some people I like the responses to this when I say it, and I'll, I'll get to that here in a moment. But dude. We just had an FBI trial where it became clear as day that schools across the country are paying dudes money to go play there. <laughs> and you have shoe companies that are paying people money. and Like, we all knew that stuff was going on, but it we have the proof now. We have the evidence. We have guys on wire ta- on taps, and we have text messages, and we have, we have dollar amounts. We have checks. We've seen it. So when when a kid goes to a weird school that's not Kentucky, Duke, well, hell, even Kansas is paying dudes, then it should make you question, like, all right, Kentucky missed this guy, and it doesn't really seem to add up. Well, at least now, and I'm not saying that every time a kid picks Memphis or a kid picks Florida State or a kid, I'm not saying that there's cheating going on, but if you think that it stinks, there's a good chance that maybe it does actually stink. Man. So you got to keep that in mind too. And then I like the response. A lot of people will tell me, "Well, why don't we play? Like, let's start paying, dude. Let's start." <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's what you want, maybe. Do you think that was what Cal was alluding to when he said we get guys that belong here, or is that him just like coach speaking? Uh, it's coach speaking. Well, all right. And, and, I, and I do think Cal can tweak up some of the pitches. Like, uh, I, yeah, I don't know if he needs yeah. to do like the. Uh, While we're at it, is Cal an overrated recruiter? Probably slightly. Like, I, I do think there's Kentucky fans that think, like, all right, Kentucky's recruiting this dude. He's going to go to UK. If that's your mindset, then, yeah, he's an overrated recruiter. Well, I think the general mindset, though, is that he's one of the two or three best. So, like, you know, I, I think it's he's properly rated. Yeah. It's just that when he first did it, he was so innovative that everybody wanted to hop on. Well, everybody's stealing his swag now. Yeah, so and, now it's and that be, is true. So now it's got to be, like, what's the next thing, like, you know? F- even five years ago, but especially when he first got to Kentucky – there were a lot of coaches that weren't recruiting one and done players. You know what? I I think you disrupt the system. I you know we have this 
junior guard. He's coming back for senior year. We told him that he's going to be like, coaches were idiots. Yeah. They were idiots. Yeah. And now they're wising up and they're saying, all right, you know, we'll, we'll make it work. Right. Where that That's how it used to be even 10 years ago and, and even closer than 10 years ago is you had people that would say you'd have like the football roster mindset. Mm-hmm. Sophomores are going to become juniors. And then these juniors, they're really going to grow and they're going to be the seniors. And you know what? You, to win the NCAA tournament, Nick Roush, you've got to have a senior led team. You've got to have upperclassmen. Got to have experience. Um, and then Kentucky is the best team in the country in 2010. They fall short of the Final Four, obviously. 2011, Final freshmen lead them to a Final Four, have a good chance to win the title that year. 2012, you do have a few experienced players, but the, the stars of that team were the freshmen. All right. Uh, we've got a few questions that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I can get to Ooh, if you want me to. Rapid fire? Yeah. Because we need to go to the annex here, and then we've got our award-winning radio show. We haven't won an award yet. but we'll, we're, just, we're looking for awards. We, if you have any, we'll take them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, the internet in this place. Yeah, we're, we're in the corner where the internet's like... Like literally in the... I don't reach. In the annex. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Do you think I've played in the NBA? Can Chris says? Do you think I can? Pl- I've played in the NBA. Can prepare you for to succeed there? Sales pitch that guys like Penny, Mike Miller, and Avery Johnson can make. Now Trump's cows recruiting tactics. It's cow no longer cool to recruit like those former athletes. The cool factor, but let's slow down here. Penny and Memphis have only gotten dudes that they spent years and years and years coaching. Yeah, yeah. It's not like they're going to California and they're taking this five-star dude from L.A. because Memphis is cool all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. When that, you know, if they if they bring in Matthew Hurt, then then maybe Chris, I would say, yeah, maybe there is something to that. No, I, I just think they're they're getting dudes, and then Avery Johnson getting guys. Uh, see, here's, go here, back to what I alluded well, to earlier, and then look at whatever. Like Alabama stinks this year, so like I don't care if you played in the NBA, you. The being able to send guys to the NBA is going to have it's it is a better track record in the long run than just oh I played that one time. Right now, Penny's coached like four games, yeah. so like he, you can't point to him sucking yet. Yeah, and and also that's a good point. I wanted to bring that up. The fact that James Wiseman committed when Penny has coached four games that shows Kentucky couldn't do anything. Like it, it shows that that dude was just going to go to Memphis and made up his mind mm-hmm. not too not too long ago that like he was just putting a complete trust into Penny because of previous relationships. And yeah. Kentucky did everything they could to try to get it. I had another question that asked that what do you think if Kentucky doesn't land Vernon Carey, what are they going to do? Uh, well, they sold Matthew Hurt. Isaiah Stewart's not going to come to Kentucky. And, and, and so I think what the question's kind of alluding to is like, what are some of the options that we don't see on the table? I think they could go after some names that we haven't mentioned in a while. Maybe Kofi Cockburn. We could get back in the Cockburn train, Ooh, which would be fun. I wouldn't mind some Cockburn. I do. I, I think they're going to get a grad transfer, and I know that they're already kind of compiling a list. I had somebody tweet me yesterday and ask what happens with that. I think you you see like a grad assistant, or you have somebody near the bottom of the total totem pole in the basketball offices say. Kentucky's coaches would go to them and say, hey, we need a list of all the best juniors and maybe a few sophomores in the country, Uh, you know, points average, and we want them to be bigs. Let us know these guys. Uh, Look at the NBA draft list last year, who pulled their name out of the draft, who tested the waters per se. We want to see some of those names too. And you kind of give us a list. And then they'll get that list and and they'll say, all right, thanks for the list. Now we need you to follow along with these guys throughout the season. And then in January, come to us. Tell us, you know, your top 10, 
And then from that point on, they'll start to kind of reach out, hey, academically, is, is he going to be able to graduate? And that's how the process works. So that won't really get hot and heavy until January probably or maybe even February, and then we won't hear about it till March obviously. But uh, that's how that takes place. I do think they'll add a grad transfer. You could always have another reclassification. Hey, you just saw Anthony Edwards do it. Or uh, a coach gets fired. Yeah, and, and then that's, player decommits, a la E.J. Montgomery. Yeah, and that's a good chance that something like that happens. Uh, I think a Nafali Dante would Ooh. be a, a, a candidate for a reclassification potentially. I think he would be the only big, though, in 2020 that I think could be ready physically to come into 2019-2020 season and make an impact. They have plenty of other options. It's just we don't have a ton of names for those options. But I I know a lot of people tweet me and say this, and they'll say, oh, you know what, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I trust Cal. There's some truth to that. Like, mm-hmm. Cal's not a dummy. He'll pull some strings. He'll make some things work. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. All right, we're going to head over to the Annex. we got a fun episode. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Annex. Ooh, Annex Our podcast time. within a podcast where we break down every single episode of The Office. And today we have season two, episode seven, The Client. Oh, what a, a doozy. Just Tim, the, the great Tim Meadows, folks. You don't, you never get his last name. Just Christian. He's, he's got awesome blossom coming out of his nose, though. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah, I love I, one of. The better scenes, just those three at the table Man. at the Chili's, and I just there, there's so many great things going on in this episode. Obviously, that's the main focal point. We've got a great subplot. TJ, do you recall the subplot? No, tell, well, tell it, me. It's when they find the threat level midnight script. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. and they read it at the table. It yeah. is the, an ultimate, ultimate episode of The Office. I got, I got really. It's one of those things where I go back and rewatch these before, or at least I, I try to, and, um, and I was just so happy when I saw the client come up. So many great parts. Do you do you have a favorite moment offhand? Gosh, I mean, there's there's a ton. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think the initial shock value of when you find out that Michael has, without talking to his superior, moved the meeting from a <laughs> hotel meeting room to a Chili's and then is he hilarious. Says, and then he and then he spins it saying that it's the 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 what the golf course of the uh, uh, small businessman magazine <laughs> it was written there well i wrote it in <laughs> letter to the editor yeah uh i love i love that part um and then I, at that moment too because i think the best part of the show is is when he's like all right so what do we need to say if if something's going wrong we need a signal and then they get to the part where jan tries to get to the bottom line and he just <laughs> that's why we needed a word so i didn't just start spouting nonsense yeah uh and then i like when when jan talks about her divorce and christian who at this point i think is probably drunk during it and uh he gives her that speech and you like, laid your arms out there you slit your wrist you bled your own blood you said this is my blood it is red <laughs> 
it's red just like yours, so love me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, you're really brave. Yeah, it's <laughs> is um. So do you, do you think that speech is funnier, or do you think Michael Scott's uh, a brown probe joke is funnier? Uh, I think that speech is funnier. I just like that he has like a book of like of bookmarked like jokes. sticky note jokes. Or, oh, no, not that one. There's a better one. Yeah, that. yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> Um, yeah, good stuff. But so on the, at the very end of the part where they're kind of negotiating, cause they realize like, this is all within the context of like downsizing. They need to hit this big client. And if they do, they can keep the branch open. Yeah. And when he finally, like they're standing there drinking beer and Jan just looks defeated. She's like, what the hell am I doing? And then Michael just kind of slides in and closes the deal. Her face, she just, I, I love to see her go from zero to 100 real quick. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh. The, it's pure shock. She, <laughs> Jan gets sexually, like, motivated by good business. <laughs> you know? Like, she kind of gives Michael that look, like, all right, buddy, you did it. You did it, and you're going to get it. Oh, I, I remember the first time I watched it, too. Whenever they take off and get out of there, I'm like, oh, crap. Michael and Jan are going to do it. And the episode closes, and he's like, oh, I'm not going to kiss and tell, eh? Yeah. And then, he, he's he of course, he kisses and tells. And he's like, yeah, we made out a little bit. And then she talked about her divorce and cried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a very Jan thing to do. It uh, doesn't seem overly, overly stable. But- it's also like a very, like, I'm a guy who's just being a nice guy. And I haven't had a lot of dating history so i'm just gonna put up with it yeah yeah oh, he'd Michael. be the, he'd be the dude that he'd be that, that would, would would put up with him there's nothing wrong with that i do love like an underlying theme throughout all the office episodes is that michael does a sneaky good job at his job despite being like a complete <laughs> imbecile yeah you know yeah. like when like when push comes to shove he like closes deals <laughs> he, he's like the sweet talker that like will get and when somebody else can't finish a client he's the one that comes in and seals it i uh Unless that's Danny Cordray is involved. Yeah. It's a lot. Well, Danny Cordray. Yeah. Can't compete with that. Oh. What are you doing here? I'm just here for the coffee. Like hell you are. <laughs> um, so I do want to bring up quickly the subplot. Because you got Jim. They really amp up the, the Jim Pam levels. Because they're talking about first dates. We found out that Pam's the worst first date. Roy left her at an amateur hockey game. Yeah. You know, of course he did. And I like when they find out that, like, it was her. Yeah, it's, know? like, pretty quick. Like, yeah, or, like, that was, was Roy. That was Roy. Yeah. yeah. Like, who else would it be? Um, Any bad first date stories for you? Um, No. Other than, so, I, this, while we're on Thanksgiving, the the girl I dated in high school, her name was Madison. And, I, you know, we dated for a few years. The first girl I date after her, yeah. also named Madison. Yeah, I show up to Thanksgiving and I see my aunt. She's like in the room to the right, and I'm like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" And she's like, "Oh, did you bring Madison?" I'm like, "Yeah, here she is." And it's a completely different person. <laughs> her, her face just was like, "Oh, uh. dude, it's funny you do that." I I dated a Kimberly for two and a half <laughs> years in high school, and then my college girlfriend's name was Kimberly. Oh man, same sorority. Oh, oh Those two. same sorority? Yeah. Is there bad blood? Did you start oh, yeah. a rivalry? Oh, as you would imagine, uh, college girls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, same middle name, same last initial, drove the same car. Mm-hmm. 
And then, strangely enough, my dad's last two girlfriends are Lisa's. <laughs> Funny world how that it's, works. It's weird how that works. Yeah, um, it is. Well, we, we are running out of time, but Anybody quickly. get fired on this episode? No. Um, other than... Maybe Jan for... Well, Dwight used fireworks on company property. That's all right. Yeah. You're not getting fired for that. So, was Jim kind of rubbed Pam the wrong way. He said uh, it was technically their first date. Like, he was kind of joking, and then he got kind of serious. Would you count it as a date? No. She's engaged. Yeah. Of course, that's not a date. Yeah, and he just made, like, his famous his famous grilled cheese. How the hell do you make a famous grilled cheese if it's just cheese and butter? And where do you even make a grilled cheese in, in, that, in that kitchen? A microwave it, bro. That's disgusting. How can that be world famous? That sounds like world trash. Wow, look at yeah. you coming after Jim. Yeah, we'll make a better damn grilled cheese sandwich. He did what he could with the with the utilities he had. He's an shame, innovator. Shame, I know your name. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. We wish all you all a happy Thanksgiving, and as always, we appreciate you listening. Have a great, hopefully, long weekend. Enjoy the cats pummeling the cards this Saturday. Oh, it's going to be great. That'll be fun. Paint Cardinal Stadium blue. Yeah, get your get your butt out there. Three-stripe life, baby. Come say hello to me. And uh, we do really appreciate you listening. Have a great holiday. We'll see you next week. Hardly committed. The Annex, whatever podcast you came here to listen to. We hope you enjoyed it. TJ Walker and Nick Roush. We'll see you next week. Should I go? Should I go? Should I go?